Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Roundup. I am Rowan Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And uh, uh, quite a bunged up sounding Joel McLeod uh, yeah. this week. Uh, <laughs> you sound uh, less than your usual uh, chirpy yeah. perky snow Matt- Joel. Um, well, uh, as you, as you said, when the mask came off, the bugs went flying, and my kids came home from school with uh, a nasty cold. And yeah, I got it. I, I, I just so everyone knows, I did test for COVID, and it came back negative. So small blessings, I suppose. But yeah, it's not fun. And we were just my wife and I were noticing that. Yeah, as soon as the the maskings were lifted, all of a sudden, all these old, old little bugs that we had conveniently avoided for two years. Well, they're back. Yeah, it's been nice. To, most of us have gone through a couple of years without having any illness of any kind. Um, yeah. And I mean, I mean we're not going to have a, a, another COVID episode today necessarily, but it's funny how that now the pandemic is over. I suddenly know a whole bunch of people who have it or are in the process of recovering from it. Yeah. Including people with serious health concerns who who stayed at home for months and months and months it, and months. Who but now it's completely unrelated to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyways, we're going to keep this one uh, short and sweet, everybody, to to, to let poor uh, Joel get away and um, uh, and uh, get over the uh, whatever lurgy is that he's picked up. But uh, we thought we'd quickly address uh, something that we're, we're the two of us are kind of somewhat familiar with from our time in politics, um, which is. Um, well, nomination meetings, and the NDP has now um, deselected another MPP, a sitting MPP, which is not something other parties do. Um, deselecting um, the idea of, of being able to challenge an incumbent MPP is, is not something I believe any other parties have as within their rules. However, the Ontario NDP does and has done for a long time. Um, and so um, one of its few black MPPs, um, uh, Kevin Yard in Brampton North, has been challenged by uh, uh, another member uh, and the, the, that person won. And so um, someone elected by, um, you know, I, I would guess somewhere around 20,000 voters in Brampton has now been kicked out by, um, according to him, about 150 members of the um, of the NDP uh, membership, which, which um, just kind of raised in my mind um, kind of something <coughs> which the public probably doesn't know, because we, we tend to think there's a cliche that party members voting for a candidate at a local level is somehow democratic and somehow, you know, well, it's free from the party leader and, you know, that's how we get the best candidates. We just let the members decide and the grassroots. And my kind of honest reaction to that is bullshit. Um, there's no way that the average uh, riding association has any business um, choosing <laughs> choosing politicians. Um uh, and actually, they're very bad at it very often, and they can select the wrong people. And there's a reason why political parties actually aren't very democratic and don't necessarily benefit from being very democratic. And that's because, you know, politicians are professionals. We need well, professional people to do to do the damn job right. Well, if you look at it, like, look who, are in between elections, who makes up a riding association. And it's uh, uh, taking the, the, the veil off 
you know, take a look behind the curtain, I guess, uh, the per the people who run riding associations are average Joe people. Like they're not politically savvy necessarily. They're not top notch uh, insiders. Like they, 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 I think some people think it's like these party bosses of a riding you know, for the liberals or the NDP or the Tories. And they, you know, they're all like, I got my fingers in everything. And nine times out of 10, that's not what happens. It's usually somebody's hobby. It's uh, it's as you viewed more as a social club than like a political party, and yeah, and then like every four years, oh, we have an election. Okay, we, we got to pick a candidate, and nine, like my experience was always a lot of these people like felt like they were in over their heads. They want somebody who's they want to attract somebody who's going to be uh, uh, energetic and have a good voice or a good opinion about the problems of the writing or, or whatever have you. And they might not, they just don't know how to pitch it to, to people. And yeah, that, that, that's ultimately a problem. It, and it's a misunderstanding of, of kind of democracy and grassroots. I mean, I mean, I just, I just sort of laid into kind of the idea of amateurs. And I was one of those amateurs, uh, I, I want to make it clear. Um, uh, uh, you know, and I always used to laugh when there, there'd be some scandal or other in some party or other, and it'd be like, you know, uh, a, a high up person in such and such a party who is the vice president of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, I've been the vice president, blah, blah, blah. I'm not high up in anything. <laughs> like, like no one knows who I am. No one remembers my name. I, they're giving me a title because no one else wants to do it. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, you know, the, the, the real, I mean, when the liberals were in government, the real work was done by staffers um, because damn it, they're professional and they're getting paid to do it. Uh, this is a much better way of handling things. Uh, well, when you're out you, of government, you you're in a tougher it, situation. The, like the staffer, like the, the 20, 30 year old staffer for a minister or an MPP, they're paid to do that for eight, nine, 10, sometimes like 12 hours a day. Like they're meant to read the detailed, boring, uh, briefs and the policy documents that the rest of us don't really read. Like we don't, we don't, we just don't have time for it. Cause we're like, no, we have our, we have jobs to live, families to provide for, just stuff. We want to live our lives. These are the people who are paying like, no, my job is I sit in a room and I, I read policy papers and I meet with academics and business people and, and, and entrepreneurs and the leaders who are shaping the issues of Ontario and Canada and, and, and Burlington or, or wherever you live. And like writing associations are, are just these kind of weird antiquated, like it's the illusion of democracy. Yeah. And, and actually yeah. I, I don't think anybody would run local party politics that way if it wasn't written into the law. I mean, so when, when I was still involved with, the liberals um and i don't think i'm telling anything out of turn here or anything that reflects badly on anybody but it seems to be you know that there are some very weak or there were in those days let's not talk about now i have no idea there were in those days some very obviously very weak writing associations in the hamilton area and you know i wanted to it was my my volunteer job part of my volunteer job was to try and help rebuild them uh, and the obvious thing to do is like, well, let's get rid. You know, let's not try and have five different writing associations all trying to reproduce things. And they've, they've got like ten members each. Let's just have one big area writing association, which can actually operate 
like you say, like basically like a social club, because that's what most people want from party membership. They want to meet friends. They want to feel they're contributing something valuable. But you can't actually do that. You can't do it because the law says you have to have a writing association that matches the electoral district. Right. And then that ties to all your finances. So you can't cooperate with another writing association because then your finances get in a mess. Can't do that. Um, so it's, it's, it's a real problem. And, and, and I think any healthy, you know, the mainstream parties, all of them would probably say they have about 30% reasonably strong writing associations, 30% which are on the edge and 30% that are dead, uh, and that hardly exist in any real sense. And that would go for any mainstream party. Uh, and and those that that those proportions are probably getting worse all the time. There's fewer and fewer people who want to be involved in in party politics because it's so you know it's discredited in so many ways. Yeah. Or if you if you want to be a volunteer, if you want to be an activist, you, you join Greenpeace or you join you, you join another kind of volunteer organisation rather than a mainstream party. And that's I think that's regrettable in a lot of ways, but it's also it's not going to change anytime soon. Um, so you're left with. Now, writing associations, which on a good day have 150 members, right. but actually in the general course of things might have 20, 30, and they're choosing the future MPP. And we're, we're, we're saying that that's democracy. No, it's, you know, it's just, it's, well, it's not. And it, and it opens the whole system up to interest groups abusing yeah. that system. Because it's that's very easy to sign up well, 100 friends. That's what I was going to say. Is like That's where you get these crackpot left wing or right wing groups coming in and saying, no, we want to run things out. And it's, uh, it's a recipe for disaster. Because uh, like a, a lot of time, again, people are politically sad to say, oh, we need to protect our, our, our membership or our numbers or whatnot. They just, <clears throat> uh, they, they just don't think of it. Because again, it's, it's a more of a social club than it is a, uh, a political entity. And I mean, I have zero insight into what happened in Mr. Yard's writing association in uh, Brampton. Uh, not a clue. If I had to guess, I would say that uh, the chap who has uh, replaced him. Yeah, uh, his, his name is Sandeep Singh. Okay. So uh, I would say Sandeep probably has a lot of friends in Brampton uh, and relatives and whatever. And he will have said, hey, look, we don't need to sign up that many people to get this guy out and to make me the uh, potential next MPP. Um, you know, you sign up a hundred people. Uh, if there's 50 that support Yard and I've got a hundred, I win. Well, Hey, it's, it's, it's not difficult and it happens a lot. Uh, and don't get me wrong, no criticism whatsoever of people using the rules that are in place to their advantage. They're entirely entitled to do that. Good luck to them. And basically all they're, they're showing that they're good organizers. So great. Right. You know, if, if an incumbent MPP can't sign up 150 members to, to make sure he doesn't lose a nomination, then that, there's a problem. You know, that, that's just pretty poor showing. But the, the, excuse me, the dangers I, I see happening here are what we saw in the States. If, if people recall back 20 years ago when this little thing called the Tea Party showed up and people are like, oh, it's just a group of grassroots people complaining about government overreach or, or whatever have you. And they did. They, their biggest threat was that they were able to mobilize, and they did what was known as primary Republicans. So you had any moderate Republican, anyone who was right right of center, but let's say let's just be honest, not a dick, 
but they they weren't socially conservative. They weren't uh, evangelical enough, or 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 just batshit crazy enough. The Tea Party would come in and say, "No, we're kicking you out. It doesn't matter if you've been there for two, three terms already. It doesn't matter if your track record as a good representative for your uh, constituents was good." They were like, no, we want, we want the seat. We want to kick you out. And they would just come in. And, like, they don't have riding associations in the States, obviously. But it's the, same, the principle applies. Is that they had a weak organization on the ground. They were able to come in, kick it, kick out the existing sitting MP, uh, representative, and elect some kooky crackpot. And that just slowly declines into what we have now south, south of the border. And that's my worry is... The political parties <clears throat> don't take this seriously enough. And that's something that I saw when I worked at the party was you'd see writing associations, like the organizations would love nomination battles because it was the only way for them to raise money. They would go and people would sign up mem uh, members at $10 a pop and you just see this huge, like a huge swell of money coming into their coffers right before an election. They're like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And that money blinded them to the risk of, yeah, but now you might have two, three, maybe 5,000 members that, do you, like, do you, how well do you know them, right? Also, like, it runs the risk too much of uh, getting, uh, uh, you know, you let, it's happened before where you have, you know, the, the far, a far right or a fringe group take over and say, no, no, we're going to push our agenda into uh, into the, the the party platform messaging, and it it doesn't it's not a one time thing. It's not like oh they try and they fail. Okay, they've gone away. No, this is in incrementalism in its most insidious form of just okay, let's go and you know we'll, we'll as long as we get our members in, we can change party policy at AGMs and we can elect enough people to positions of power. And, and you and I, I both know that the, the writing association takeovers happen regularly. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's a regular, and to an extent, in theory, it's it's fine. It's like well, if you want to run a writing association that badly, good luck to you. Um, I mean, you've, you're motivated, awesome. That's the kind of volunteer we want. In practice, you get people who want to do it for reasons which are not connected with wanting to run a writing association. Let's put it that way. It's, it's, it's talking about getting the nomination for, for an election in the future, and it it. it Again, not suggesting for a moment that anyone's doing anything that isn't within the rules. But absolutely, are. No, that's, these are the again, rules. These are just absolutely legal yeah. and on on par. It's just not smart. Uh, yeah, it's it's not necessarily, and it's not necessarily good. I don't think it's necessarily good for. It's not necessarily good for the parties, and I think this is something that happens in every party. I mean, this is the NDP. You could point to examples in the PCs. You could certainly point to examples in the Liberals. Um, I think actually back in the 90s, the federal liberals, uh, you know, there's a term for this, which is entryism, which is, you know, special interest trying to take over. And I think they actually, uh, you know, they, they, they were uh, the, the kind of um, campaign life, uh, anti-abortion, yep. pro-life people made a sort of concerted attempt to, to do this to the liberals. And they kind of at that point, you know, changed their constitution or whatever to prevent it from happening. But it, when it happens... In, in less formal ways 
regularly. Well, uh, not I usually think, about a single cause, but about a politician with with ambition trying to get themselves. Well, let, I mean, let, uh, let's yeah. let's look at this way. Like the the problem is that if this happens at the local level, it raises questions to how strong is your leader, and how and, and what's going on at the leader's office. Because, for example, let's look at the the NDP situation here um, with a. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Kevin Yard uh, losing to Sandeep Singh. Now, the NDP tell, tells us that, oh, they don't have any say over the nomination process. The, 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 it's a, you know, the leader doesn't have any say. Um, and, the, and the Toronto Star, uh, ben, Robert Benzie's article uh, quotes here, and I'm quoting here, uh, former NDP MPP Paul Ferreira, once a top staffer in Horvath's office, insisted on Twitter that, the leader's office is always aware of nomination fights for Horvath to say she wasn't involved or aware is BS wrote Ferreira. And that's well, true. in any my, parties my, I'm aware of, it would be BS, that's for sure. And like, well, say the there's no, leadership there's no isn't paying attention. Yeah. You're not paying, att you're not paying attention. Um, yeah, I mean, something happened here. Either they knew it was happening and they just said, forget it, we're not, we don't care. Or they possibly just didn't see it. And the reason why I say they didn't see it is, well, you and I have had these conversations about the liberal candidate here in Burlington, how she won her seat, which was completely fair and legitimate and and by the rules, but it surprised the hell out of us. Because we were sitting there going, who is this girl who came in and won the nomination? We thought it was going to come down between uh, uh, Andrea Gabras was going to win it, but she came in and just signed up Signed up a, a couple hundred people, and they turned up and voted her as the as a candidate. I I'm puzzled as to why uh, why Stephen Del Duca and the, and the Central Party Office would be comfortable with her t uh, being the candidate over somebody like Elisa uh, 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 Kearns or Andrew Gabons uh, to to be that candidate. Um, because, yeah, it's just it's one of those things that we just kind of scratch our heads, like, what was going on here? And it's, I think it's one of those cases, like, yeah, you take your eyes off the ball, you take your eyes off the prize, or you're not, you don't have a tight rein on the, on, or tight fist on the reins. This is what happens, is that these nominations, they, they get away from you. Oh, yeah, and I, I don't want to particularly talk about... Uh... <laughs> I obviously want to talk about that 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 uh, nomination in particular, uh, but but uh, the 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 again, uh, you get nominated, you get the most people to sign up. Those are the rules. Congratulations, well done. You deserve to win because you you've won under the rules. Um, the, but we also know that the central party has traditionally, in every party, has traditionally. Uh, had a pretty strong veto, and that veto is usually expressed through the green lighting process. You know, it was right. called the green light process. You know, you're allowed. The central party decides if you're allowed to stand for a nomination or, or not, and they can also control when a nomination meeting is held. And you know, traditionally, someone who wants to get nominated will find that the meeting is never called and never called and never called, and then it's suddenly called at the last minute, and they're given ten days to sign up all the members, and it's too late. And you know, this happens all over the place all the time. These are the ways that, that, that uh, nomination meetings are controlled. Um, but again, you know, 
you the 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 150 or you know on a good day 500 on a really really good day a thousand members of a writing association sign up to vote for a member how that i mean they're basically not remotely representative of the riding they're not remotely qualified to say this is what the riding is going to want this is the kind of candidate I mean, we see I mean, we see it through through uh uh you know the 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 it's, it's amazing how often parties are very bad at selecting mm. the obvious slam dunk person who should be the leader. I mean, the PC, not the PCs, the CPC yeah. are kind of the, the case in point at the moment. It's like, right. seriously, you're going to pick that jackass? I, <laughs> I, think, I, well, I, personally, I think I think the age of party membership should be done away with in this country. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more along the line of you can pay to be a member if you're if you're that uh, interested in party politics. You can I keep paying but i think i think uh the nomination for a party's member should be like what's done in uh in the states anybody can show up to a meeting and cast a vote you can get uh the the membership like the the list of people in the riding from elections ontario just as easily they have the parties hold on to them because that's uh, the they, bizarre they thing in the states, I mean, in some states, I believe that, you know, you can be a registered Republican and vote in a Democratic primary. Yeah. And actually, I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah. I, I don't see the problem. I mean, when you've got mass voting uh, like that now, I mean, it means the, the, the U.S. elections last four years, basically, uh, uh, or, or appear to be never ending to most of us. But, but on the other hand, you know, and also, I mean, I always make the point that I suspect I would not have been surprised if the federal Liberal Party had had a leadership camp, a leadership contest under the old rules. I suspect there would have been a good chance that Justin Trudeau would not have won that nomination because the, the rank and file members had much stronger ties in some cases to, to some of the other people who were running, whose, whose names most people won't even remember now. Um, uh, uh, now, maybe he would have done, maybe he wouldn't have done. It would have been a lot closer, whereas the, the system, which basically allowed anybody who wanted to vote to vote, produced someone who who was, you know, literally the savior of the of the federal uh, Liberal Party at that time. And I, I say that without passing any judgment about his subsequent qualities uh, uh, or otherwise. Um, but obviously, you know, the Liberals were in third place and they jumped second place and, and, and formed a government. You know, it was the right guy to pick for the job at that time. And uh, it was in large part down to the fact that they abolished traditional memberships, I think, um, yeah. that happened. Um, and, and certainly this business of deselecting de a sitting MPP for no reason other than the members have decided it's very dubious, and I don't think it's—I don't think there's anything democratic about it. Uh, I already don't. Anyway, with that, um, we've probably um, gone off, gone on more than long enough. But it's, it's uh, an interesting subject, and one that probably doesn't feature much in the uh, in the press. Um, uh, but I think we should uh, let you escape, Joel, now and uh, go to bed with a, with a <laughs> bottle of lemon sip and a, and a uh, whatever. It... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the plan. For a hot toddy or something. <laughs> yeah. And right. uh, uh, we'll be back um, next week, as usual, with another episode of the 905 podcast. Until then, goodbye and thank you very much. <laughs>
that's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vail. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.